and turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 this evening. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and verse number 39. If you ever wonder if the Lord loves you, you ought to memorize this portion. You ought to mark this one down go back to it. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us pray. Father, tonight we thank you for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, you've made us accepted in the beloved. What a wonderful thing that we have this relationship with you. We thank you for what Jesus has done for us. Lord, we're so undeserving. But Lord, how awesome it is to call you our Heavenly Father. Lord, tonight I pray that you would speak to our hearts and may we be encouraged by thy word. Help us, Lord, as we go in a few minutes from this place, rejoicing and thanking you for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A mother sent her little son out to do an errand for her in a place he had never been before. And uh, he was a kind of little afraid, but he didn't want to show that he was afraid. But he went to his mom and he said, Mom, it's so far. And I don't know the way. I, I, I'm, I'm not afraid, you know. You know how they are, you know. But could you just kind of walk along with me a little of the way? And the mother understood how disturbed the little boy was and how frightened he was. And she said, of course, mother will come with you all the way. She put her hand out and he put his hand in her hand and he went out with full confidence that he was going to be able to go to that place and do what his mom had asked and come back safely. When General Douglas MacArthur was forced to leave the island of Corregidor in 1942, he told the Filipino people that he would one day return. They were persuaded that he would one day return to the islands and deliver them from the oppression of the Japanese. Upon his return, October 17, 1944, to Laity, he said, I see the flagpole is still, uh, is still there. Have your troops hoist the colors to its peak and let no enemy ever haul them down. They went on to victory and, del and were delivered, from the, uh, delivered the Philippines from the Japanese occupation. The word persuaded is defined this way. It's a, it's a cause to do something through reasoning or argument. Merriam-Webster says to, that uh, to be persuaded means to move by argument or entreaty. Dictionary.com says to be induced to believe by appealing to reason or understanding. Christians are to be a confident people. We're not to be confident in ourselves, but rather we are to be confident in the Lord and what he has promised and in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible states that our God is a great Savior in God. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now unto the King eternal, 
immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Savior is a great God. He's a great God. Jude 1.25 says, To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion, power, both now and forever. Hey, that's our Savior. He is our God. Our God is in control. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 31, it says, Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, and let men say among the nations, The Lord reigneth. The Lord reigneth. You say, Pastor, it doesn't look like the Lord's reigning right now. Let me tell you something. The Lord is reigning right now. Amen. He is reigning. He is in control. Psalm 47, verse 8, it says, God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. Isaiah 52, 7, it says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings and publish, uh, publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that uh, saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy God reigneth. Our God reigns. And I share with you that there's nothing that our God cannot do. Matthew 19, 26, it says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I was reading the story about David and Goliath, and re that's just an amazing story. Here's a little boy, young man, I can imagine Jacob. Yeah, exactly, about Jacob's age. Here's this big old nine foot nine uh, giant out there, defying the armies of the living God, defying God. Here comes this young man, bold. I mean, he's bold. Is there not a cause? You know, all the adults are kind of like this, shaking in their boots. Hey, he says, I'll go and fight that old giant. I, I, I took care of a lion, took care of a bear. I can take care of a giant like that with God's help. You know, with God, there's nothing that's impossible. Luke chapter 18, verse 27, it says that he said the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. I'm thinking of right now of the Ukraine situation. Seems impossible. Just a few people against a great army. But I'm telling you, you can read the word of God and see how God comes in. I saw one time in the scriptures he went and slayed 185,000 in one night. Hey, that's our God, folks. If that's what he chooses to do, if that's what he wants to do, and you know, you never know what God can do. You say, well, pastor, it's not reasonable to expect. I was listening on the news, somebody says, well, when would they give up? They said, they're not gonna give up. People tried to conquer our nation. I'll tell you what, I hope there's some people that have some guts to stand up and say, you know what? We're not going to let somebody come in and take over our nation. We're going to fight to the death. It's our nation. Folks, may I share with you, you've got to be praying for those people. Pray that something like David with Goliath would happen. Just to prove and show how great God is. We can stand firmly in our faith in the Lord. We have a reason to rejoice tonight, folks. The title of our message today is this, I am persuaded... We're going to focus on two important areas in which Christians ought to be confident. Perhaps you're looking for an anchor for your soul today. Well, you can find it in Jesus Christ. He's the rock which will never move. 
Notice, first of all, as we look at this idea, I am persuaded, we can see that there's nothing that can sever my relationship, our relationship with Jesus. There's nothing that can sever our relationship with Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Paul is speaking here. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we, get, when we are saved, we are saved, as I said this morning, forever. Life without end. I am adopted into God's family with all the rights and privileges of an adult son. I am a child of the king, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. With Jesus Christ. Is there anything more exciting than that? You say, well, pastor, I don't have very much money down here. I, but just, this, is, this is just a short time, folks. One day we're going to be with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we're joint heirs with him, and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all of that. That belongs to him, and because it belongs to him, he says we're joint heirs. It, it belongs to us. You know, the devil will try to, try to get us to doubt our relationship with God. He'll tell us something like this, oh, you're not worthy to be a child of God. No, we're not. But praise God, God just said you are. Amen. Because of his mercy. Or sometimes the devil will say something like this, God really doesn't love you anymore. That's what he does. He, he's a rascal. He wants you to think that, that no one loves you. Well, let me tell you something. God loves you. God will always love us. Here, as we uh, think about this tonight, there are some who have, who have listened to Satan's lies and feel that they must uh, do something to get saved or, you know, to, to stay saved, to do things over and over to earn, merit God's love. Folks, you can't earn God's love. He loves us because he wants to. That is so amazing to me because we think, well, if I love them, then they'll love me. If I love God, then God will love me. For God so loved the world, God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, we didn't even like him. We were the enemy, but he still loved us. How amazing. Paul didn't want the Roman believers to miss the very important truth that once we are saved, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. When we think about uh, things that separate people in earthly relationships, we think about, for example, death. When death happens, no longer can we communicate with that person face to face. No longer can we express our love. You know, it's sad that some, uh, they, some don't get things right along the way before a person dies, and then once that person passes on, then they feel grief in their heart because they didn't get it passed on. I know that some psychologists tell us, well, you know, you just need to write a letter and, and, and put it in the coffin, and that, that'll take care of it. Folks, that's not how it works. It's foolishness. That's world's thinking. That's why God says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. If you have ought against a brother, you're to go to that one and get things right. Why? Because you, so you won't have guilt about things that you said or things that you've done. Remember a, a couple they had come to me, a gentleman had come to me, and he said, you know, there's a, a death in our family, and there was some really great conflict, and, and uh, you know, I'm a Christian and they claim to be a Christian, but we didn't get this thing worked out. And, and we haven't been speaking for a long time. He says, do you think I should go to the funeral? I said, 
what is the Lord prompting you to do? The Lord's prompting, he said, the Lord's prompting me to go to the funeral. I said, you ought to go to the funeral. He says, but, but we don't talk. I said, well, maybe it's an opportunity for you to get things right. Folks, may I share with you that time is short. Time is short. Death separates people in relationships. You know, sometimes life separates people. We're too busy living. People sometimes drift apart because they're so busy living and just doing life, if you would, doing their own thing, that they become strangers even in the same home. Life can cause us to be separated in relationship. Others can separate us. There was a, for example, when a man and woman get married, they they're start their new life together as they ought. In Genesis chapter 2.24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father, his mother, shall cleave unto his, own wi- or, un- unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Prior to that time, sometimes as, as that happens, the son begins to spend more and more time with his wife than he does with his mother, and mom feels left out. It's not the same as it used to be. It's different. Folks, that's the way that God made it. It's the way that God made it. When children come along, oh boy, <laughs> people say some goofy things. You know, they're having marriage problems. Husband and wife are having marriage problems. They say, you know what? We'll fix all this. We'll have a child. Can I tell you something? You want to compound it? Have a child. People have a child, and all of a sudden, you know, you have to wake up at 2 and 4 in the morning. So that you're asleep, you have sleep deprivation for the first couple of years or so. Uh, or, you know, if it, or you can do, you know, kind of this thing. Uh, guys do this sometimes. You say, well, how do you know? Because I did it. Um, you know, you hear, the, you hear the child crying, but you kind of fake it that you can't hear. You know, you're asleep. And you hope, you know, some of you ladies think, oh, they don't do that. Guys, if you're honest. You're, if you're honest, amen. I remember, the, I remember the first, uh, when, our, when Tim was born, and I said, you know, my, Tawny had been taking care of him and changing diapers and all, and I was feeling sorry for her. And so he started crying, because he was, he was one that was, he had all sorts of issues, and he was up all the time during the middle of the night, so I said, I'll take care of it. So I went in there, and uh, boy, he had, he had messed all over the place. I went in. I, that stuff usually doesn't bother me, but I'm telling you, I said, honey, I think you need to come in and help on this because I sure feel sick. <laughs> so she had to come in and take care of that as moms do. They, they, you know, God gives ladies special blessings, I think, special <laughs> grace to handle those things. But when children come along, more time is focused on the children than relationships between husband and wife. Sometimes husband and wife can feel, the husband can feel like he's left out. The wife's just trying to keep everything going. And, well, you don't love me like you. So just uh, others can separate us. You know, friends can try to divert us from, from uh, our relationships. We had a lady out in California at the church when we were out there. And uh, she did this with the young people. She would go and she would, she would uh, do special things for the kids and she'd do special things for the kids and, and the young people. And uh, what she would do is she'd try to get a group of young people to herself away from their parents. 
I said, you know, that's not right. That's, that's causing division. And so, uh, but sometimes friends, people that call themselves friends, can, can divert our attention from others that we love. And uh, so others can separate us. Circumstances can separate us. Circumstances can separate us. There's a story told of a, a couple who had a, had a house, and in their house they had a mudroom, and the dad had been working outside, and he brought a gas can inside and set it down by the, the door in the mudroom. The mom was working in the kitchen, and right bes- uh, which was right beside the mudroom, and the, they had a little daughter that had been helping her mother. This is a true story. Had been helping the mom uh, there in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, you know how children are. Sometimes they're, you, you, you're, you're talking, and you get sidetracked. All of a sudden, they're gone. She turned around, and the daughter was gone. And she started trying to look for her daughter, and, and uh, the mother, as she went, and she found her in the mudroom, and uh, as she called the daughter out uh, to come back out, the daughter accidentally kicked over the gas can, which went under, the, the gas then went underneath the hot water heater, which caused an explosion. The fire engines came, the paramedics came, and they put the fire out, but the mother and the daughter both were badly burned. They took the mother to one hospital, and they took the daughter, because of her injuries, to another hospital for specialization in their their needs. They were separated for many months while they worked on trying to put the people back together. Eventually, they were able to go back home, but they were separated by circumstances. You know, is mom all right? Is Is the child all right? You know, you ask those questions back and forth. Do they still love me, having been separated for all those times? Sometimes husbands are separated from the wife doing a lot of traveling. Separated, and questions come to our mind. Hey, do they still love me? Are, they, are, they, uh, they, are we still together in our, in our thinking? You know, future trials can separate us as well. When trials come, they can separate us. I remember a pastor friend who uh, was a uh, quadriplegic. And uh, the people would say, you know, uh, your wife's going to leave you. It always happens. And uh, eventually she listened to her family and listened to people, and she eventually did. So they were separated. He says, you know what, I don't, I don't understand this. The, you know, we, we, we said those vows for better, for worse, for richer, for, for poorer, in sickness and in health. But those things, it seems like they don't mean anything anymore. And sometimes future trials can separate us. Distance can also separate us. You may have heard or remember the Christmas song, I'll be home for Christmas. Thinking back about Christmas time and being, being back with your loved ones and your friends and those different types of things. Christmas uh, being back with, with those that you love. Distance can separate us. You know, men and women in the military on deployment. Distance separates. Things happen while the partner is away. Relationships can become strained. You know, when we think about these type of things, say, Pastor, why have you mentioned all these things that can, that can change our relationship? Because Paul covers all these areas in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39, For he says, I am persuaded that neither, notice, 
that neither death, death will not separate us from the love of Christ. Death won't change God's love for me. Why? 2 Corinthians 5.8 We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Death isn't going to change God's love for me. Praise God for that. You know, we're going to, it's going to be a better reunion when we're there with Him. Death is not the end of God's love for us. Rather, it's an opening of a door into a new dimension of God's amazing love that we have not yet even understood. We see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. We know in part, but then shall we know even as we're known. We'll understand it better by and by. 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear, uh, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of them, uh, in the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I share with you this morning in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Death will not separate us from the love of Christ. You know, as you think about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, go over there for a moment, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Consider what the Apostle Paul says to the believers there trying to encourage them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. We talked about those that are asleep when we were having communion. Uh, just a few moments ago. That word asleep is the idea of people that have died. He didn't want, you to, he didn't want the, the believers to be ignorant about the people that have died, the, those that have died in the Lord, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. The lost don't have hope. But Christians, we have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. What a blessing. We, we have hope. And it's, death is not the end. It's just, a, it's just opening to a, a new dimension. It's like one person said, it's like taking off this coat and putting on a new one. Praise the Lord for that. Death isn't going to separate us from the love of God. Nor life. Nor life. Look what it says. Go back there to Romans chapter 8. Life isn't going to separate us from the love of God. The love of God. Love of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. If I get caught up living life, and I, I will miss out on the developing of, of a wonderful love relationship with our Savior, but He will not stop loving me. I'm going to miss out. He wants to show Himself strong in our behalf. He wants to prove to us and show us his love in the things that, that he provides for us. But if I get so busy in life, and I don't have time to spend time to read, my, read uh, the word of God, which is God speaking to me, and I don't have time to pray, can I tell you something? God still loves me. God still loves me. He may have to chasten me, like Isaac said. Praise God for his love. He chastens those whom he loves. 
He wants us to spend that time every day with Him. He wants us to think about Him. How many miss out on really getting to know the Lord because they're too busy to take time? Can I tell you, time is so short. Don't neglect getting to know the Lord in a personal and intimate way. You can know God. You can. Life won't separate us from the love of Christ, nor others. Others will not be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Look what it says in verse 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, notice, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, excuse me, angels, principalities, or powers. The idea of angels, they're angelos, they're a messenger, an angel, a good angel, if you would. Principalities, it means the, to be a chief or a leader or a ruler. It's used in reference to fallen angels. In Ephesians 6, chapter 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan can't separate you from the love of God. When we talk about powers, it's evil fallen angels, or nor any other creature. Satan cannot enter into a saved person, for they are sealed by the Holy Spirit. I've heard preachers say, oh, you know, pastor, this person got saved, and then, he got, then Satan entered into him. Can't happen. It's impossible. You say, well, how do you know? Go to Ephesians with me, if you would. Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter 1. In verse number 12, it says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ and whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of, of your salvation, what we talked about this morning, salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were what? Sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When you got saved, God put his seal upon you and can I tell you something? Can't have two spirits living the same body at the same time. Remember when Saul, he had the Holy Spirit, he walked with God, and then God removed that spirit in the Old Testament because the, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come upon people for a time and then he would go. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, God took his spirit out and then an evil spirit came and troubled him. You say, well, pastor, you know, that sounds like God could take his spirit away from me. I'm glad you asked that. Go to John chapter number 14. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and look what it says. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Idea, keep on keeping my commandments. I will pray the Father, and, and he shall give you another comforter, Another, alas, another of the same kind, that he may abide with you, how long? Forever. That's what, it's, it's wonderful to be in the, the age of grace. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us forever. Even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you, and he's going to be in you for how long? Forever. Forever. That's why we, we talk about the fact of, you know, are Christians going to go through the tribulation period? The answer is no. Because the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians, chapter number, uh, chap, let's go over there, 2 Thessalonians. You can see it here. 2 Thessalonians, chapter number 2. 
talking about the Holy Spirit. And it says there's going to be a, an antichrist that's going to come into the world. And we know, we can see the signs that there's going to be one person that's going to say, hey, you got a mess here in this world. I can straighten it all out. And the, ant- and the people will flock to him. But notice verse number five. It says, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, Paul speaking, I told you these things, and now he, ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. This idea of the holding back or to restrain, there's someone who's restraining the Antichrist from being revealed. For the mystery of iniquity or sin doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. You say, Pastor, what in the world is he talking about there? Well, if you kind of break that down, break it into smaller sections, it says this. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. We can see that sin abounds, does it not? We can see that. Only he, he's talking here about the Holy Spirit, the one who's withholding or restraining Satan right now. The one who's restraining sin right now is the Holy Spirit. He's restraining it. Only he, the Holy Spirit, who now letteth or restraineth, will let or restrain, notice, until he, the Holy Spirit, be taken, what? Out of the way. Well, when is that going to be? The Holy Spirit's going to be, we just got done reading it in John chapter 14, the Holy Spirit lives inside who? Believers. He's going to live inside us how long? Forever. But the Holy Spirit on this earth is going to be taken out of this world. If he's going to be taken out of this world, guess what has to happen? You can't be here because the Holy Spirit's going to abide in you forever, so you have to go. And once you go, the Bible says, and then shall the wicked be revealed, that wicked one, the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Hey, we're not going to go through the tribulation period. Oh, pastor, I'm telling you, he that endures to the end shall be saved. That is not talking to you. That's talking to the Jews. You need to look at the context, and people take those and pervert that. You need to look at all the Scripture and see what God says. God teaches very clearly, God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but unto salvation. And praise God, I'm glad that he has not appointed us unto his wrath, but unto salvation. So when we think about the idea of angels and principalities and powers, and, and so when we think about this idea, God says we are sealed. And back there in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 14, he says, we're sealed until the day of redemption, till we receive everything that God's promised to us. Hey, we're sealed until then. That's when you're going to get everything. Your new body you get when you go to, go to be with the Lord. God gives us all those things. We are sealed. You don't have to worry about, can the, can the devil enter my mind and, and make me lost? You know what? Satan can oppress, but he cannot possess the believer. So you need to get that clear in your mind. Sometimes we might sin uh, and let the Lord down, but sin breaks our fellowship, but never our relationship. God loves you, my friend. Oh, I'm so glad for that. Well, I know I let my parents down many times, but I'm so glad that they still love me anyway. Circumstances will not be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Go back there to Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Nor things present. Things present. What are you talking about? Circumstances 
that happen to us. Verse number 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. What if I lose everything materially? Will God still love me? Yes. What if I'm unable to give to God like I, I used to because there's a change in my financial condition? Will God still love me? Yeah. What if I'm in a coma in a hospital? Will God still love me? Absolutely. What if I'm in an accident and I lose an arm and a leg? Will God still love me? Yes. Things that happen in the present. God still loves us. How about future trials? Will God stop... Uh, will, will, uh, future trials will not stop God from loving us. Notice what he says. Things present, nor things what? To come. That's future trials. Well, pastor, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe God's love will change. <laughs> no. No. No matter what happens tomorrow. If I've asked Jesus to be my Savior, my God still loves me and will love me. You know, we read that portion of Scripture in 2 Timothy 4 where Demas hath forsaken the Apostle Paul, having loved this present world. You say, well, see, Demas stopped loving God. But can I tell you something? God didn't stop loving Demas. Amen. Think of many people in the Scriptures. Think of Samson. Think of David. Think of all these different people in the Scriptures that they knew God. They went astray. Did God stop loving them? No. Praise God for his love. Hey, distance. Distance will not stop God from loving me. Look what it says. Nor height, nor depth. Nor height, nor depth. Remember in Psalm 139, we won't look there tonight, but you can look there. in Verses 7 through 14, when, when David is, is talking about you know, if I try to run from God, if I go in the deepest parts of the sea, even there God will see me. In the darkness, it becomes light to Him. God sees in all this stuff. I can't get away from God and His love. You know, so it's interesting that Christians who uh, know Christ, but they're living in sin, often try to run away from Him by running farther and farther into sin. Hey, there's no place that you can hide from Christ. You can't love from, hide from God's love and God's mercy. He waits for us to come home. Paul was persuaded that nothing could separate the believer from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Second thing, very quickly. He says, I am persuaded that God will keep his promises which he has made. Turn with me to one other portion. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. God's going to keep his promises. Paul speaking here, he says, for, this which, uh, for the which cause I also suffer these things. He had suffered as, as a, a preacher of the gospel. Nevertheless, I am, I am not ashamed, for I know that whom I have believed and am persuaded, notice, that he, God, Jesus Christ, is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul had endured many hardships for preaching and teaching about Jesus. He had put his trust and faith in Jesus and was persuaded that he's able to keep that which 
he had committed unto him against that day. God has promised to those who trust in his son that he will give them eternal life. Titus 1, verses 1 and 2, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Praise God. God's promised eternal life for those who put their trust and faith in him. Paul was confident that the Lord was going to take care of his soul when, once he breathed his last breath. You say, well, pastor, how are you going to know? How are you going to know that? Because God's promised. And God never lies. God will keep his promises. I like what Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and 24 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He's called you. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. You might wonder, can I really trust the Lord? Can I trust his word? Well, his word is perfect. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Not only is word perfect, but his way is perfect. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all them that trust in him. His way is perfect. Can I tell you that God makes no mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes in your life. If you trust in him and you say, God, here's my life. You lead me and you guide me. I want you to show me exactly what you want to do. I want to walk in your will and, and do that. God will never lead you astray. His word is perfect. His way is perfect. And his work is perfect. Deuteronomy 32.4, he is the rock. His work is perfect. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. His work. You know, he's fashioning you and changing you to be like his son, Jesus Christ. You say, well, man, I wouldn't have taken me through this trial and through this thing over here. And, and you know, I just wanted to serve God. I just wanted to do what God wanted me to do, kind of like Job. Well, I wouldn't have lost, you know, I don't think I'd have had Job go through and lose everything over here and lose his health and, and all this type of stuff. Yeah, but your way's not perfect. God's way's perfect. His work is perfect. And you see the end result of Job's life going through all of those things. He had a stronger faith at the end and an understanding of God which he would have never had had he not gone through all those trials. You can bank on the promises of God. He will honor his word. Tonight, have you settled the matter of God's love for you? Are you persuaded that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ? You might say, well, then I guess I can go ahead and live like the devil. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? The love of Christ constrains us because that Jesus died for us. We ought to live for him. 
Are you building your life on the promises of God's Word? If not, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? God will never let you down. He will keep His Word. You can trust Him. I pray that you would do that tonight. Are you persuaded? Are you persuaded? Let's pray. Dear Father, tonight we come before you. And Lord, we're persuaded that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Thank you for loving us that way. Lord, we thank you that you're always going to keep your promises. You promised eternal life. You promised that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You promised to give us strength if we would just call unto you. For those that lack wisdom, we can call unto you and you will answer and give wisdom liberally. Lord, I pray that we would understand these precious truths tonight. I pray, God, that we would yield our life to you. Father, I pray for those that are here. I don't know their hearts desire or heart need tonight. Perhaps they feel like they're not loved like they thought that they should be. Lord, I pray tonight that your word has been an encouragement to them. Lord, doesn't matter what people do, doesn't matter what people say, you still love us. Lord, I pray no matter whether the things present nor things to come, nothing can separate us from your love. And God, I pray that we would just relish the sweet love of you. And Lord, we live in joy and hope. Father, thank you for this time this evening. Lord, I pray for each and every person here tonight. I pray that your word has been a balm to their heart and soothing and encouragement. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know if you're saved or you're lost, but if you're not saved tonight, I pray that you'd come and ask Jesus to be your Savior. If you know him as your Savior, I pray tonight that you would just Rejoice in God's love for you. I can guarantee you this week you'll, you'll come across somebody who will need to have that love that God's displayed to you shared with them because they're hurting, because they feel unloved. Why not share that amazing love, the love of God, with them? Dear Father, we commit this all to you tonight and pray that you would speak to our hearts and Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.